We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Today's episode, we are previewing the Baltimore Orioles. I talked to Eric RDT of Barstool Sports. He has his own podcast covering Baltimore area teams. He was really fun to talk to. It was a great baseball conversation, not just nitty gritty about the Orioles, because let's face it, they're not going to be great this year. He doesn't have delusions of grandeur where he thinks they're going to be competing for a wild card spot or anything like that. But he talks about what he wants to see from the team and where where the team is going. 
because it sounds like they're they're on the right path, not just for prospects, but also front front office analytics is is getting a bigger emphasis and and all that kind of stuff. So you know we're probably not going to be seeing much from the Orioles this year or even next year, but 2023, 2024, that's what that's what they're eyeballing. We talked about who else did we talk? We talked about Matt Harvey and and how he's trying to grasp the last moments of his career in Baltimore. So that's going to be fun to watch. Talked about Trey Mancini, who who Eric talked to on his podcast recently. Trey Mancini just seems like an all-around good guy. Battle back from cancer. He's healthy. It's hard not to root for a guy like that, even if you're not a Baltimore fan. So a lot of good stuff in this episode. Hope you guys enjoy it. And Scott and I will continue to be rolling out these episodes this week leading up to opening day. All right, joining me on the podcast now is Eric RDT. He writes for Barstool. He covers the Orioles for uh, for Barstool. And happy to have him on. What's up, man? Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm uh, like we were talking about. I'm happy that JJ was able to connect us, and that guy is just like a, a networking fiend. So yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be on. Yeah, he's a rolodex of random people. He really is. Just no matter what topic you you bring up, he's got a contact for it, uh, mm-hmm. which is good. It's a good thing to have. It's a good skill. <laughs> I wish I had it. Uh, had more of that, but. Uh, yeah, I'm happy to, happy to be talking to you. Are the Orioles going to be any good this year? Like, what is, what is the expectation for the season? I mean, I think 2020 was better than you anticipated, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and like it's, and again, going back to JJ, like he always makes fun of me for seeing these things with the Orioles, like last year and this year, like it's not about winning and which sucks to say, don't get me wrong. I hate saying that because it is such a loser thing to say like, well, wins and losses don't matter, but it's like, it's, this is all for the future. And it sucks that they're in this spot where they did have to rebuild after having a great, you know, 2012 through 2016, they were awesome. Um, but are they going to be good? Probably not. I I think kind of like last year, they're going to surprise some people. Um, I think they're going to play stretches of good baseball. We're at the point of the rebuild now where we're seeing some of those young prospects come up. The Ryan Mountcastle, who he's one of the guys mentioned for Rookie of the Year. Um, you know, we got Trey Mancini back, who's obviously a huge piece of the puzzle. I mean, missing him, it's crazy because they, they, they were 10 games under 500 last year, obviously, in the shortened season. But it was without their best player. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Trey back. Um, John Means is is going to be a lot better this year than he was. He was money the last four starts of last year. He had a rough year last year with... He got hurt right around opening day. His dad died during the season, so the cards were just stacked against him all last year. So it's kind of easy to understand why he had a down year. But I, I think, are they going to be bad? They're not going to be pirates bad. They're not going to be, you know, this. They're not going to be fighting for the number one uh, draft pick again. I hope. I mean, obviously, I'd want that because of the prospects. But yeah. I, I think th- they are going to be better than than. They're going to be better than last year. They're not going to be. They're not knocking on the door of a wild card spot yet. They're not that like hot. Look out! This team could could do something. Um, but again, it's all about improving. And and I think going for like this season is going to be. We're going to see Adley at some time this season. We're going to see a lot of these other prospects come up. So it's almost like now we're setting the the table for dinner. Like we're going to eat next year. We're going to eat the year after. But right now we're kind of just putting the cups out. We're putting the the knives and silverware out. 
So, um, they're, yeah, like, they're not going to they're not going to be good, but they're not going to be like like historically bad. Well, like you said, it would be disingenuous to think they're going to compete for a wild card spot. And you said it's not about wins and losses. It sounds like a loser mentality. I, don't know, I get it. Like you just want to see good things. You want to see positive takeaways from the season so you can have something to look forward to. And I think that's probably what happened for the Orioles fans in 2020. They were I remember that series at Yankee Stadium last year. I think it was like early September or so. And had the Orioles won that series, they actually would have overtaken the Yankees in the division. Didn't happen, but that's that's meaningful baseball for you guys later in the season. I know it was a sixty game season, but still. So if you're if you're just getting an entertaining product and you can see things like prospects coming up or pitching starting to round into shape or or any sort of like a few nuggets you can take to next season, like that's got to be positive. That's got to be a win for the season. Maybe not a win in the in the box score, but a win. Oh, absolutely. And, and I mean, it's just, you know, like, like you said, seeing these prospects come up like Mount Castle last year, like Keegan Aiken, who he, I mean, he had, he had some great starts against the Yankees. Same thing. Dean Kramer, I think his first or second start was against the Yankees and he looked really good. And it's like, okay, well again, we have, we have a young guy who we're counting on for the future and let's see what he can do against this major league lineup. And, and it's like, all right, well, he held his own there. Okay. Let's give him another one. Let's trot him out again. So yeah, that's what it's all about. It's it's about seeing these young guys come up and just not not just seeing them perform, but seeing them perform again in in a series in September in Yankee Stadium when hey, you can inch closer to the Yankees in the division. And again, it's like this is a team who's they're not supposed to be here. Like they weren't they weren't supposed to compete last year. And and not saying that I mean that that they quote unquote competed, but yeah, it's it's all about it's all about the young guys and seeing what they can do. And and I'm also if the Orioles go out and lose nine to seven to to the Yankees and, you know, judge just has the best game of his season and, and, you know, three for four with a home run two three RBIs and a double. It's like, well, you got beat. That's all right. Like if the Orioles are out there and they're throwing the ball around and they lose their starter in the second inning and, and you're, you're, they've used four bullpen guys and it's the seventh. Those are the games where you're like, all right, this sucks. But like, do you get beat by the you know by the other team's best guys? You got beat and it sucks. But and like I can deal with that. I 100% can live with that. Um, if they're not booting the ball around, you know, Benny Hill yakety sacks music while, while the Yankees are running the bases and the Orioles are tripping over the ball and stuff, like that. That's what it's all about. Like I'm fine with a loss if it's just hey, you know what? The Rays just play better today, and most times they will. Um, so that that was another thing. Like last year, they weren't getting their they weren't getting kicked in the face in the second inning and it's like, well, let's turn this off and, and let's, exactly. let's get ready for tomorrow. So I'm just and from that's me, what it's all about. from the, however many times the Yankees was it 10 times the Yankees and Orioles played last year. Mm-hmm. I could just tell that from, from watching those games because I was comparing it to 2019 where I, what did the Yankees go 18 and one or whatever it was or 17 and one or 18 so, and yeah. one. Yeah. And like you said, it was the second inning and Glaber Torres had three home runs already and the and, game, yeah, and, and the like, game was right, over. Well, let's see what else is on. Right. So if, if from that standpoint, like the the games themselves are more competitive, uh, and that's what you're looking for. You're looking for you're looking for. I mean, baseball is such a messed up game. <laughs> it really is because it's so damn long that yeah. for teams like you said, bottom feeders like the Pirates or like the Red Sox last year, it's like it, okay, it's April, it's April, you know, twenty second, and we know the season's over, but there's five and a half months to go. It's just like mm-hmm. it's so cruel. So you just got to get those positive takeaways that you can that you can have and to watch the games late in the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I mean, I know I keep going back to it, but like 
it's the prospects. It's it's like I remember tuning in for Ryan Mountcastle to see his debut, to see Dean it's Kramer and his debut. Watching yeah. Chris Davis strike out again is not, it's not exciting. It's like, no, and and we are way past that point of like, hey, what what, what if? The like, what if Chris Davis gets hot? Like, yeah, I mean, now now forty eight homers in. back in that bat, maybe. Yeah, right. But like, like now we'll have people tune in if he's not starting. They're like, oh, Davis isn't in today. Yeah, I'll turn the game on because they don't want to see zero for five with four Ks and and a roll over to the pitcher. Um, he seems like a good guy, though. Like from what I've he, read, he like genuinely feels bad that he's making so much money. And he's also, I mean, you won't find a guy in the community who donates as much money as he does. Him and his wife, I think, like redid a wing at, at the Children's Hospital here in, in Hopkins in Baltimore and. I mean, they've done just a ton of donating meals and, and clothes and stuff like that. And that's, I mean, it sucks because as bad as he is as a baseball player right now, like he's that good of a guy um, off the field. And that's why it, I go back and forth between like ripping him and, and just like kind of giving him a pass because again, it's like it, you Google Chris Davis and the first four things you see are bad baseball things. And then the next four things you see are like, Oh, him and his wife, Jill went to this children's hospital. They donated this stuff to this hospital. They did this. So it's like, right. It sucks because again, he's, he's a great guy from everything I've seen. I've, I've heard and I've, 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 you know, read about him, but on the field, I mean, that guy is as lost as lost can be. Yeah. It's, it's not like, I mean, He's not the one who wrote his own paycheck. Like the yeah, he, he's not the one who was negotiating against themselves. And and there were there was a very good article done by Britt Giroli in the Athletic, um, who she used to cover the Orioles uh, on the beat, and now she's with the Athletic. And over during last year during the pandemic, right around this time, she started cat like writing year by year, like the 2012 year, the 2013 year, and like just all the stuff to deep dive into the Orioles. And she talked about how I think it was 2016 after they had re-signed Davis, her another beat reporter were on a plane coming back from Tampa or wherever some road trip, and Dan Duquette, their GM, was sitting behind them, and Davis was in a slump, you know, one for 35, 15 Ks, and and just again another historically bad stretch for him. And I think she had said that he she had said something to to Rock Kabako, who was the other beat reporter next to her. Something about Davis, just like she was writing about him. And she said, again, Duquette was sitting behind her, the guy who signed the deal. Well, the, the, the GM at the time who, you know, put yeah. the deal together, it was thought. And he kind of, she said, he kind of just yelled out, not to anyone in particular, or he said, that deal wasn't me. I <laughs> didn't want that deal to be done. And okay. he said, there were, there were two people who wanted that deal done. He said, the player and the owner. And he kind of just sat down and, and let it go. So it like, that's the thing that sucks is like Dan Duquette obviously didn't want to pay Chris Davis all that money. And, but this is a, a spot where the owner, Peter Angelos was like, Hey, we, we want to keep him in Baltimore. And he kind of overrode. And I don't know if that's known like outside of Baltimore, like it's pretty well known here in Baltimore, but um, yeah, Davis was not wanted by the GM. And that was a, a, a someone over his head with a higher, uh, you know, the guy who owns the team made that call, not Dan Duquette. So it's it's always interesting to when you read stuff like that. But yeah, it's talk about a talk about a deal that has just set a team back. You know, it, yeah, it, years. it kind of has because I don't know if Manny Machado would have resigned in Baltimore, but once they had Davis on the payroll for that much money and the team was going downhill, it's like they couldn't sign Manny Machado. So mm-hmm. who knows? Maybe that's a different situation. But those situations, like the Yankees, have a couple of those over time. Famously. 
uh, um, George Steinbrenner overruled Brian Cashman on Vlad Guerrero mm-hmm. and, and uh, when he was a free agent and then signed Gary Sheffield over, over Cashman's head. And obviously that didn't work out in the end. It happened, I guess, again with Hal Steinbrenner and A-Rod on his second contract. Ste- uh, Steinbrenner wanted him uh, and, um, and Cashman didn't. You never hear it working out. When the mm-hmm. owner goes over the GM's head, it's never, oh, and it turned out well. It's always, yep. oh, and it was a disaster. <laughs> so, so I mean, I guess you still got to place blame somewhere. So the general manager is still responsible for players. So, yeah. you know, ultimately, I guess it's his, it's on his resume, even if it wasn't his call. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. And again, like you'll see that even Dan Duquette hasn't been around for two or three years and you still get people like, thanks, Dan, appreciate you signing, you know, you signing Chris. And it's like, well. He didn't, but yeah. again, yeah, it's like, well, he's, he's the one in charge. So yeah, technically, technically, I guess it falls under his umbrella. So, yeah, but you're not going to be caring about Chris Davis this year, even though he's still got a couple years left on that contract, uh, kind of made a few changes to the, to the rotation, Alex Cobb, he got traded. Um, it, I mean, is the rotation going to be competitive and they just traded for Plutko, right? Yeah. So that was last night. They DFA'd Yolmer Sanchez, who was starting in the game like 10 minutes from the time the trade was announced. Um, oh, those are always fun situations. It was, it was, yeah, it was definitely a weird kind of uh, just thing to watch it, to, to watch it go down with. It was very strange because I mean, by all, by all accounts, he was your starting second baseman in, you know, four days, five days, whatever it is. And I guess they just weren't as, as through. And, and I think they picked him off. Um, they got him on a waiver claim, but he like, I guess he didn't really set the world on fire with his with his bat, which he's not really known for. And I think the defense was he's a pretty good, you know, defender. He's a gold glove defender, but it just seemed like the Orioles had kind of seen enough. And they got this guy, Jemai Jones, who they traded. Um, they got him back, I believe, in the Alex Cobb trade from the Angels. Um, and he plays second base. They got Ryland Bannon, who they got in the Manny Machado trade a couple years ago. So they've got two young guys, but they both sent them down like last week, Saturday or no, like Thursday or Friday. So it seems like Pat Vileka or uh, Ramon Urias is going to be the starter there on opening day. And we'll see. And don't get me wrong. Like he's not like Yomer Sanchez could walk into my house right now and I wouldn't recognize him or know who he was. And you have Orioles fans who are like, this team stinks. Season's over. Yeah. It's like, dude, they're going to lose 80, like 90 games regardless. Like who cares? It's, it's Yomer Sanchez. Like I'm not losing sleep over you just but, uh, you always question moves when they happen this close to opening day. No matter oh, what, no matter yeah. what the move is, because it's like it it catches you off guard. You don't see teams make moves in the last seventy two hours before they're going to get on a plane to go north and yeah. and start the season. One hundred percent, yeah. And it's like maybe you know maybe they'll play the waiver wire and someone you know maybe someone will get released and and they can they can place a claim. But um, it seems like that that's what they're going to do. Um. I know I strayed off from the rotation question. Oh, that's all right. I just I love I love seeing Matt Harvey's name there because because it's, because it's just like he keeps popping out of nowhere. I know he signed with the Angels a couple of years ago and that fizzled out. And and Yan- some Yankees fans just see Matt Harvey and still think like Dark Knight, like he's gonna come hey, in. I, I've been playing up the Dark Knight. <laughs> you know, I I I'm trying to get some excitement and energy around it. Um, I mean, he's been broken since game five of the world series in 2015, like that, that effectively ended his success as a major league pitcher, unfortunately, because I kind of liked him, even though he's an A, like seemed like kind of an a-hole, but like kind of a good 
what good good kind of a hole in like the 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 uh, he got Roger Clemens comps uh, from like a, a starting pitcher and like like that sort of persona. But I think those types of p- players are good for the game. That that evil pitcher, if you're mm-hmm. good, like I just find that fun. So I found him I, to be a fun player to watch. I was going to say, I mean, if I, I want my starter to have that attitude, like yeah. that picture, didn't he have the nosebleed and the blood was running down yeah. his face or something? Like, that's what I want. Like, give me that. Like, yeah. And maybe, I mean, I, at least the nightlife in Baltimore isn't as, as like, it's not like it is in New York. So <laughs> hopefully he can't he can get, get on a train that. to get up to New York City pretty quickly, yeah, though. He, he could do this. Sidney Ponson did that uh, once did in, he? Between, in between games. Yeah, he... Or no, you know what? They were in New York. I think they were in New York, and Sidney Ponson got on a train, came like after the game, came back to there was a Metallica concert, I think, in Baltimore. Did the Metallica Perfect. concert, got back on a train and started the next day and went like two innings, gave up like seven runs. Like he and and like people were because I think like after that game, people were like, Well, he was in Baltimore at the Metallica concert last night. Like yeah. wasted too. So Hopefully, I mean, that's the perfect concert for Sidney Ponson is Metallica. Oh, it's, it's the only concert for Sidney Ponson, <laughs> if, if you ask me. Um, well, Matt Harvey, no, that story with Matt Harvey when he was like fizzling out with the Mets that last year when he they were playing in San Diego and like he was seen in Los Angeles at like nightclubs like the night before a start or something like that. Yeah, it's like I'm sure there's a nightclub in San Diego, but nope, had to make the two and a half hour drive north to get to L.A. to get to whatever club he, he wanted to go to. Yeah, I mean, I know some places in Baltimore, and JJ and I can show him around the town if 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 Harvey <laughs> wants. Um, hopefully, he does kind of keep it under because I think he's also matured. Like you can read a lot of his quotes, and and he just like this. I think he's a guy who knows like I'm on my last legs here. Like this yeah. this could if it doesn't go well the first season for him or the first month of the season, I I think like we're looking at the last of Matt Harvey. Um, How old is again, he now? I'm gonna go. He that. his birthday was yesterday, so it oh, looks really? like he turned 32 yesterday. Um, I mean 32. Again, I mean, there's plenty of pitchers who still have good years left at 32. Like it, mm-hmm. if you're if if you're telling me Matt Harvey's gonna have another four years in the majors and just like get his act together, like okay, like I I could I could see a situation that that happens. Absolutely, and and I think a lot like a lot of it he's. He went to what is one of that pl- those places in New Jersey, the like the the pitching, you know, they they break down your your yeah. rotations and and all that stuff. And I guess he's like really really bought in. And he even mentioned, which is weird for Orioles fans, he mentioned that the analytics department and the people that he was talking to here were was that was the reason he signed in Baltimore. He said huh. he had other offers, and it's like Orioles didn't have an analytics department two and a half years ago. It was the guy with the computer and a spreadsheet. And like now, Matt Harvey was like, I was very impressed and. So again, it's not like he didn't come in like, all right, all right, guys, let, let's do this. Put me out there. I'm going to chuck 99 because I think he knows that, that he's not it's that not guy happening anymore. And he's, he's been sitting 94, 95. I think he, I think he like touched 97 a couple of times in spring and who knows if the, the guns are juiced, but everything I've read. And I think someone had asked him one of the Orioles people about the dark night thing. And he said something like, I'm not, I'm not trying to be that guy anymore because I know I'm not like, I, I want to be better than I was. And. So like those comments to me, again, kind of seem like a guy who someone got in his head or it, it may have just been him being like, hey, man, you don't, you're you're not 25. You're not in New York City. You're not, you know, about to pitch in, in a World Series like you. You've got to you've got to figure this out because you may be doing TV somewhere next year. You may right. be, you know, I don't doing whatever, but it, it's not going to be. You can't have another year like last year. I think his ERA was terrible with the I think it was with the Royals last year. 
Um, Wait, wasn't it with the was Angels nineteen? I thought he went Angels and then Royals. It may have it may have been backwards. Um, maybe he was with the Angels last year. Yeah, I mean the thing is though, like we can't remember for a reason. He, yeah, because exactly. he was that he was that bad. So yeah. yeah, I think you might be right. It might have been first the Angels and the and then the Royals. So yeah, this is this is a last stop for him. He's either got to he's if either got Royals. If the Royals are like, hey, yeah. oh no, I'm sorry. Why, why did I think Royals? I, yeah, no, it says 2019 Angels. Okay, I don't know where I pulled Royals from. And what about what about 20? Did he did he pitch in 20? All right, oh, so that's it. Yeah, so it says ni- 2019 LA, 2021 Baltimore. So it doesn't. Oh, so he was out. He didn't pitch last year. Why did I think I I I, I pulled that out? Of yeah, that's all right because it because it doesn't matter because yeah. because yeah, he was that thing. bad and like that's the that's the point of it all. You've heard us talking about it before, and we're back again to talk to you about hosting your own podcast here at Blue Wire, and there's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everybody the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show posted out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, which is just your hosting fee. That's the same rate as all other hosting sites would charge you to, for an initial setup. So you're going to be paying that anyway. So you might as well be doing it at Blue Wire Hustle, where you get all those other great features I just mentioned. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to me and Scott talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard in Hustle. Acceptance into this program is limited. So get your application in today. To apply, you can go to bwhustle.com join. You can check out the description box for this episode and find out more, but that's bwhustle.com slash join. Again, check it out in the show notes if you are interested. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? We've all gone through a lot over the past year plus with COVID. Well, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in your area. And it's available worldwide. 
can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living happier today. You can visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily to see for yourself. Visit betterhelp.com slash bronx21. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. We have a great special offer for our listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash bronx21. One more time, betterhelp.com slash bronx21. You mentioned analytics. Uh, what have the Orioles done? Because there's plenty of teams that have just blown out their analytics department. Like famously, the Yankees now have like a staff of 30 people that are manning the analytics department. Like is for all the shit the Astros deservedly are getting for the cheating stuff. They have been on the forefront of analytics, which is also a big reason why they won. It wasn't just because they were banging trash cans. So where do, like, where do you stand on analytics and where, what have the Orioles done? So it's it's funny you mentioned the Astros because obviously they hired Michael Elias to to run you know baseball operations um, and he came from the Astros and he also brought over Sig Dell, who who is another one of his that's like his his top analytical guy he worked with NASA he did this like if if you haven't read about him like Sig's history was like he worked at NASA and was doing all this computer stuff and and just breaking everything down and was also like in a high leverage high stakes fantasy baseball thing like Lee with these like and I think they were like huge buy-ins and like <laughs> it wasn't like oh Greg over there forgot to set his lineup and yeah. doesn't have a pitcher $20 like, buy-in you would be you would be like on on death row if you did that in this league and like he apparently like that's where he figured out like okay well well I'm gonna I'm gonna draft my team based on this and like he started using those analytics for his fantasy baseball team. Jesus, that's and amazing. Then, and then I think had like started writing about it. And the Astros were like, do you want to you want to work with us? <laughs> do you want to actually play real baseball with us? Yeah. And and that's how it started. Like, that's how he got into baseball. He was like a wow. full time NASA guy. Um, so he's he's that was like the first move Michael Elias did when he came from the Astros was brought him over. Um, and and I think I, it's it's just on wonders. Like, I've never. The Orioles had like an event two years ago. It was like their winter wonderland type thing where mm. Elias was there and some of the players and it was outside. It was during Christmas, but there was a podium on the podium was Mike Elias, Brandon Hyde, the manager, and then Sigma Dell, like the head of analytics. And they're all just taking questions. And it's like two years ago, you would have people in Baltimore can't pronounce analytics, let alone like know what it is or like why, how it helps the team. And like I said, now you have guys like Matt Harvey who are signing with them because of the team that that they built. So it's, I'm excited for it, and and just to see again how it really, because again going from Buck and I love Buck, but he was that old school like he hits well against lefties. This guy right. hits well against righties. It's a lefty. He's going to go in. And now it's like you got the they're weighing everything and the outcomes and 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 all that. And well, you know so what the I, crazy thing about Buck is, back in the '90s he was on the forefront of data in baseball. Mm -hmm. Like w when he was with the Yankees, like in the early nineties, one of the reasons that he was hired when he didn't really have a ton of major league experience is because Gene Michael, who was the, the general manager at that time 
was about prospects and data and, and building an organization that way. And Buck was in line with him. But now he's seen as like a grandpa the in that state baseball, because yeah. it's, in my opinion, I, I appreciate analytics and I like to I like to talk about it. But it's gone so far in the other direction for some teams mm -hmm. that a guy like Buck Showalter, who was on the forefront of it 25 years ago, is now seen as like the old fossil. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I'm with you where I think it definitely has a place in baseball. Um, I think it I think it does a lot of good. But then again, and I don't. 98% of the stuff when they talk about analytics and all that, I don't understand. So I kind of just nod my head and go, <laughs> yeah, uh -huh, yeah, sounds good. His WOBA is this and his, yeah. the, you know, all those advanced stats. Um, it's like the so Bryce like, Harper I, quote. You see that a uh, couple uh, weeks well, ago what, about his, how he didn't graduate and he got his GED. Yeah, he's like, I, I don't know about exit velocity. I like exit hits. Yeah. <laughs> all right, yeah, bro. Like stuff cool. Like that. Cause I think he said something. He's like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't graduate from college or I didn't graduate. From high he didn't, yeah. He didn't graduate. He, got, he uh, was 16. He was like, yeah. On the cover of baseball America or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I, I, I think it has its place in baseball, but yeah, like you said, I think it's, it has gone too far at times where you'll see, you know, I mean, some of the moves made, some of the decisions are just like, why? It's like, well, the computer said this. Right. The computer's so, not throwing the ball. The computer's not yeah. catching it. It's so, like, uh, use your I, eyes. Like that, that guy clearly doesn't have it right now. Like he's lost on the mound. Like, I don't care that his numbers say he's better against righties than the next guy coming. Like get someone else in this game because this guy can't throw strikes. Like there's, exactly. there's moments like that, that make me want to like pull my hair out as I'm watching games. And, uh, I just see it going too far in like the other, like the, the big moment from the world series last year with Blake Snell mm -hmm. and anyone watching that game who watched who has watched baseball in their life knew Blake Snell was just on another level that night. And he was the best option, not Nick Anderson coming out of the bullpen, but it didn't matter because their spreadsheet said otherwise. And it's yeah, just like, yeah. it, I can't imagine how pissed I would be as a fan of that team. Like I was angry and I had no rooting interest in the game. Like I can't yeah. imagine if that was the Yankees and like they're pulling out Garrett Cole or whoever it is because the analytics say so. I'm like, you fucking morons. He's, pitching a one hitter. So it's yeah, just like, moments like that that make me pissed off. It, it is crazy that there's just a guy in a suit hitting a button on a spreadsheet somewhere going yeah. like, hey, Cash, that guy, yeah, that guy, he, you know, we want to sell young a couple years ago, get him out of there. Yeah. And it's like, it's it's the eye test for me. Like, again, mm -hmm. you could tell, you could tell normally, right? I, I remember it was like this with the ball to Jimenez. You could tell on the first pitch of the game, all right, you got good at ball to, or you got bad at ball. <laughs> and it, there's still people like that. It's The eye test is a lot. Like, when you can, you know, when a guy has it, when a guy doesn't, you can tell when he's starting to fade. It's not like you don't need to say, well, we're going to pull him now before he even starts to show signs of fatigue or fade. Like you said, the, the, the Kevin Cash and Blake Snell thing. I mean, that's the perfect example of it. Like, and, and Cash, I mean, they, and to their credit, they've always been like that. And yeah. they'll live by I mean, that's how they got there. So, it. yeah, it's, it's hard to, and you know, it's hard to argue it. But when the, when they, when it goes bad, it goes, it goes bad. So. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think analytics are important and they're needed, especially for building or rebuilding an organization like the Orioles are doing, um, because I, I I don't think it's possible to build a competitive team in today's baseball landscape without having a lot of input from analytics. But I also think there needs to be a blending of it. And maybe we're going to get that in the coming years. Like it's the pendulum will swing back and we'll we'll get a nice mix. I don't know. That's what I hope. But um, I mean, I guess that's good news for, for Orioles fans is that they're making an investment in that area to to build a competitive team. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I mean, that's that's 
it seems like it's not, not too little too late because again, there are still some teams who, who don't really go by it or, or accept the analytics stuff. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it shows that they're trying and they're serious about it. And again, I mean, when I hear Sid Meidel talk, I'm just like blown away and I'm like, Oh my God, I, I'd never even think of that. And now they, you know, now they're talking about breaking down this stat and why they signed this guy and, and just stuff like that. So it's, it's exciting to a lot of people in Baltimore. Obviously you still have the old heads who, they're like, what do you mean? Well, that guy hit 290 last year. Why, why, why isn't he lead off? Why isn't he this? And, and again, you could tell the people who get all their information from Facebook for baseball and, and the people who are like, who do deep dives on it. So I'm, again, I, it, I'm excited and, and, and it definitely, I think it's only going to be a positive for the birds moving forward. Have you watched Moneyball recently at all? Or do you, Not do you... Re- the, I could tell you the exact last date I watched Moneyball. Okay. Um, it was, it was, I was back in college. It was when the Patriots beat the Ravens to go to the Super Bowl when um, Billy Cundiff missed that kick. Oh, so that was like so 2012? 20, I think it was the 2012 year. I think it was the 2011 season. Yes. Because I was watching it when he missed the kick. I'm not a Ravens fan, but I okay. remember just going nuts. Are you a Washington football team fan? No, no, I'm a Titans fan. It's even oh, more, it's okay. even more weird. Um, but I just remember like pausing Moneyball to it was a new movie at that time yeah yeah so like that's but that's literally the last time i've seen i definitely i want to go back and watch it now it's Um, worth it's worth it just knowing what we know now and like now that billy bean is stepping away from the athletics it's kind of interesting to watch i i I recently watched it um and there's a moment in uh when they're all the scouts are all around the table and billy bean and jonah hill are what I can't remember uh, yeah, I don't know Jonah Hill's name in the in the in the anyway they're talking and one of the scouts goes he's got an ugly girlfriend that means he has no confidence and like so okay that's one side of the scouting and then the other side of the scouting is like you said woba and digging into spin rate analytics and all this stuff it's like can't we just meet in the middle somewhere and just call yeah. it a day yeah like even give me 60 40 one way and like I'll leave I'll yeah. even go there I'm, I'd be okay with that yeah but yeah I definitely I definitely want to check that I think it's on Netflix still I mean it is a good movie uh mm-hmm. it's it's not I don't know how accurate it is I mean it's accurate in the sense that like analytics but like they never talked about Barry Zito Mark Mulder and Tim Hudson <laughs> then they also like just not talk about like Miguel Tejada or yeah. someone like there was someone yeah. like that who they just flat out like left no, out. Scott Hatterberg won them won them all those games not oh, all the yeah what was it 20 in a row or yeah whatever? not uh not the fact that they had three of the best starting pitchers in baseball <laughs> but uh whatever last thing i want to talk about is trey mancini you mentioned he's back and uh you know from an from an outsider i'm a fan of the guy especially after his story with cancer and everything i know you just talked to him on your podcast um so what's what's going on with him yeah so i'm i'm i've actually go back i think 2015 with trey um he, you know, he, he had, I reached out to him back in 2015 and, and we kind of, um, came friendly there and just kind of, you know, I'd go see him, I'd watch him down at, uh, in Bowie and double a and, and, um, build a nice little friendship with him, keep in touch with him every now and then. Um, and I mean, I was the guy banging the drum for Trey back in 2016, 2017. I had no idea if he was going to be good or not. And I was like, you got to, this guy's a stud. He's going to be the future just because I knew him and like wanted to see him do well. Sure. And that's, so that's like when he hit his home, his first home run uh, against uh, Eduardo Rodriguez in that, um, that Orioles Red Sox game, I was going nuts. And I was like, Oh, I called my shot. You know, Trey's going to be a beast still not knowing if he was going to be a beast. Um, but yeah. And then like, it's just, it's been awesome to see him grow into the player that he is now. And, and, 
I mean, 2019, I think he was, he was almost, I remember going in the last week of the season, he had a chance to hit, to hit 335 home runs, hundred RBIs. And like, I wanted that more than any, like that. I mean, that's a legit, <laughs> that's a legit stat line. Like I think any team would sign up for that. Um, and yeah, so obviously 2019, it was, it was a rough one for him. Um, and I, and I know I talked with, about Chris Davis, the guy who does more in the community, the guy probably second, or if, if not as much in the community is Trey. Um, I've done a bunch of charity stuff with him for uh, a guy that a, a little kid we know, Mo Gabba, who died um, this in the summer, who was really cl- close to Trey, and it kind of comes full circle. Mo had had cancer his entire life, all 14 years, and Trey said the first call that Trey got when he announced he had cancer was from Mo. Wow. So you had a 14 year old who who's was who you know who was going to die two months later asking Trey, you know, are you going to be okay? And he was, he was more worried about Trey than he was himself. Um, and, and that's, I mean, that's just the kind of guy Trey is. Trey is, Trey has this effect on people that just, I mean, you have baseball fans or people who aren't even baseball fans of Baltimore who love Trey. Like he's, he's the face of the franchise. He's, he's their best player. Um, and so, so when he, you know, when that news came down last year, obviously it sucked for everyone the entire year, but that was a big blow to, to everyone in Baltimore, just, from a personal standpoint, like we, we want to see Trey out there. Um, and the fact that he's beat cancer, you know, finished chemo now, and like following the whole timeline though. All right. Now we finished chemo. All right. Now he's working out. Now he's taking dry hacks. Now he's hitting off a tee. Now he's cleared for spring training. Oh, now he's playing in a spring training game. Now he's hitting a single in his first at bat. Now he's hitting a home run. Yeah. Like it's been so awesome. Like just to watch. And like you said, I talked to him and, and we talked to him last week and he said, he's, he said, he's, feels completely normal. He said his strength is back. Um, he was like, I know I'm going to, he's not going to play 162. Uh, he's like, I know I'm going to have to take some days off. He, he said, he's not going to ask for days off, but he was like, I'm sure I'll be told, you yeah. know, Hey, you're going to take this day off. <laughs> um, but just seeing him out there on the field is going to be awesome. Like you said, I, I think the baseball community as a whole, like the way that they've kind of embraced the story, because again, you could chalk it up to that's the Orioles who gives a shit like it, it. They don't, no one, no one really cares about them, but like to see, you know, a bunch of the teams do stuff for him. MLB Twitter is posting his video highlights, you know, when he was coming back, stuff like that's really cool. And I, I think that means a lot to him. And I, I know it means a lot to the Orioles fans who, again, we've watched him grow from this pudgy little guy in, in double a, and now he's, now he's, you know, the leading guy for comeback. I think the second he steps on the field, next Thursday, he's, he's going to be your opening or he's going to be your comeback player of the year. And I think rightfully so. And it couldn't have happened to a, well, his comeback couldn't have happened to a better guy. Right. 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 Um, but you know, his comeback and, and I'm just so excited to see him out there on the field and, and it's, it's going to be, I mean, goosebump city and, and, and Fenway, let alone a week later in, in Baltimore when they come home. So it's uh, I'm definitely I'm pumped to get him back and to watch him on the field because again last year there wasn't much to to really pump up on the field but when Trey when Trey gets back this year it's gonna be it's gonna be something to see so and he, he's just he's the man and I know he had a buddy I think his best friend in college was drafted by the the Yankees so I don't think he's with the organization anymore but I know he he definitely wanted that rivalry to to keep going and yeah. and face his buddy Eric. Jiglio, Giglio, something like that. Pitcher out of Notre Dame a couple of years ago. Okay. Um, hey, the name's not ringing a bell, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if he's flamed out, but, but yeah. So it's, I, I'm super excited to, to watch him get back. And I mean, if he could hit 25 home runs, 80 RBIs, something like that, like 
Yeah, he'll yeah, be there to awesome. coach some of these young guys up and, and sort of be that veteran presence who's also beloved in the community, respected by other teams and other teammates. I mean, that's going to go a long way. I mean, it sounds like I, I, I we've done previews for um, for all the teams for like the last four years. And I remember talking to someone for the Orioles, I think before the 2019 season, and they were just depressed, like nothing to look forward to. There's not like, just, basically they had nothing for me, like what they were positive about. But so it's yeah. like, it's, it's cool talking to you. Like you've, you've got some positive stuff to look forward to. Um, and it, I mean, it's fun to rag on the Orioles for being crappy and like the Yankees go 17 to one against them. Like that's all fun and good, but also like, I understand that's not going to last. So, so that's, uh, that's why I was so hyped. And, uh, you know, when they broke the streak last year, yeah. like, I mean that, that like, I'll never forget watching that night game. Um, when they broke it. And then I, didn't they win the next, I think the Orioles won the next game of the doubleheader the next day. And I was like, we go from 18 in a row to like two in a row. Like things, things are turning for us. Well, I think they beat Garrett Cole Mm -hmm. and that was like, okay, glitch in the matrix. What's going on? That was like DJ Stewart had his first, his first, yeah, was that home run off Garrett Cole. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when like Garrett Cole was like struggling (laughs) where it's like, instead of giving up no runs, he was giving up two runs, but but yeah, I remember they beat Garrett Cole and then I think they might've won the next day or like you said, doubleheader. Cause I, I don't know. Last season is just a blur in my mind with all the seven inning doubleheaders and all that stuff. Yep. But yeah, I'm looking forward to getting back to a, to a normal year. Hopefully we can catch up with you later in the season. Um, get a midway checkpoint on how the O's are doing. Appreciate your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. And uh, I, I mean, I would say go Yankees, but like, I, I can't, you can't I mean, say that. I, I would never say my go Orioles. A Yankee fan. So I've got it for the last 32 years to like, Anytime the Orioles start out good, I give him a call and he'll just say, "Well, let's talk in October when you know." Interesting. The home dad's a Yankees there. fan. You're you're an O's fan. What's the story? Oh, yeah, there? My, my dad's uh, Long Island, Farmingdale High School. So he's. Uh, do you have uh, brothers and Do you have brothers and sisters? Yeah, yeah. I have a younger brother and a younger sister. They're Are they in the baseball? They're not. Thing, yeah. So how'd you no. become an but Orioles if they were, fan? They were. They'd be Orioles fans. You know. You grew up in Baltimore. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. So okay. my, when my that's, dad, that's yeah, dad moved down here, and and he's lived down here for thirty five, forty years. So, got it. But, but yeah, he's a uh, he's he's, uh, he's a he's um, a Long Island guy, you know, with Alec Baldwin and and all those guys. <laughs> so, uh, but he he's a true Yankee fan. So that's why he likes JJ. <laughs> got it. Yeah, that's the only way to like JJ. If you're not a Yankees fan, it's kind of hard to like JJ. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. All right, man. Thanks for the time. Thank you, man. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.